We talk a lot on this channel about limerence, and that's the state of obsession and infatuation for someone who feels like they are the answer to everything in your life, but they're not actually in your life. They could be a celebrity or imaginary or fictional, or you know them, they might even be an ex but they cannot or will not be with you. It's not possible. So there's just this perpetual longing that becomes like an addiction. It's easy to waste years retreating into the fantasy of being with your limerent object when being with them isn't possible. So there's a way out and it's time we talk about what happens after limerence. So my letter today is from a woman I'll call Jessie, and she writes, Hi Anna, thank you for your videos. I'm writing to you because I've been experiencing a lot of shame as I come out of my fog and realize the way I used to treat people. I was scapegoated as a kid from a lot of different sources and I've been experiencing a lot of social trauma and abandonment wounds, which have made it really difficult to connect with people in any kind of lasting way. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough <laughs> to be, quote, adopted into a pretty close-knit community of musicians in my hometown shortly after high school. And over time, these people became like family to me. When I first started spending time with them, I hadn't started my recovery yet and developed limerence for a guy who had also been adopted by this community, and it lasted for years. Luckily, I was able to pull myself out of that attachment, but the shame of knowing how uncomfortable I made him for a while paired with the fact that so many people close to both of us are aware of how creepy I used to be has become so sticky for me emotionally that it's really getting in the way of me moving forward. This guy has been nothing but really kind to me and he's since gotten into a really good relationship which I'm genuinely glad about. My friends have continued to be kind and supportive but the shame from the past and the fear of developing limerence again in the future has kept me from both starting new relationships and really connecting with the people who are in my life already. All I want to do is make amends with the people I've hurt and treat people with kindness and respect. And I, I don't know why I'm having so much trouble doing that. Any help or advice would be really appreciated because I've been feeling really stuck and I'm ready to finally move forward. Thank you so much, Jesse. All right. I was circling things along the way in your letter that I wanted to come back to. I wanted to read it all so we could just kind of hear what's going on, but let's do another reading because I think I can help you, Jesse. Okay. You were scapegoated as a kid from a lot of different sources, and you've had a lot of social trauma and abandonment wounds, oof, which have made it really difficult to connect with people in any kind of lasting way. Mm-hmm. That is so common, Jesse. It's so common. So, you know, you touched very briefly on what happened, but scapegoated, meaning you were blamed for stuff that wasn't your fault, you weren't accepted, you weren't loved or appreciated, or just, you know, you're great like you are. That'll do it. That's enough to break down your connection, your ability, your natural ability to connect with other people, to be yourself, to see who they are, to have an instinct for the right thing to say and do. So it creates this huge discomfort, and those are conditions and the loneliness that go with that, that's where limerence can spring up. Okay, so you were adopted into a pretty close-knit community of musicians in your hometown right after high school, and over time, they were like family. I'm so happy you have that, and I totally get that you would fall for somebody in that group. 
when you first started spending time with them, you hadn't started your recovery yet and developed limerence for a guy who had also been adopted by the community. So I, you don't say this, but I'm just guessing like you would have been willing to be in a relationship with him, but he wasn't. I'll tell you, for people with CPTSD, with a great big attachment wound, the, the very fact that someone's attractive but not interested, that is the perfect storm to just fall head over heels for them. Because if they were available, what happens when you have this wound? What happens is you're like, ugh, I don't know. This is entirely too possible. You don't think that consciously. But actually dealing with people and being close to them it is something that will bring up whatever you've got hidden inside. It's gonna just unsurface all that buried stuff that you had to bury as a kid. And that's what your recovery is now. You're, you're allowing yourself to flow and be yourself. I'm not like somebody who always is like, oh, you have to go into great analysis and excavation of this stuff. But the techniques I teach for healing include two times a day, taking your little dusting brush to start taking that top layer of memory and bad feeling off of whatever is up right now today. You do that twice a day for as many years as I have, you're like moving down through the, <laughs> you know, the millennium of all the stuff you're carrying and the, just the layers of hurts and beliefs and distortions. And all of it's gonna come up eventually when you're in recovery. So it's so good that you're doing this. When you have less of that, then your natural desire to be close to somebody has a little more breathing room. And you're, while you're learning that, the self-defeating behaviors that can often push people away, it's like even if you're, if you're pushing that self-defeating behavior down, what happens, you're self-suppressing. You know, it's like so terrifying to have CPTSD. It's like you go to a party and you're like, oh God, I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna say something, I'm gonna offend people, I'm gonna get into some argument, somebody's gonna be mad at me. And so you self-suppress and especially around romance, because that just, you know, that's just like, when you fall for somebody, when you express that, oh, you know, I'm into you, are you into me? There's just this tunnel where they can just go in there and just like, oh, you know, hurt you, right? Not on purpose, they don't have to want to hurt you, but just to like love and lose, it's horrible, right? And that's pretty much mostly what happens when you have unhealed CPTSD. So sometimes you'll find people who are, they're not into you, um, so you can love them from afar. That's kind of a nice way to sort of like experience the feeling of love when you can't handle more than that. Or you get together with people that you don't really like and you have some security, but that nagging feeling that this isn't really the one will continue to haunt you. So you're doing okay. You felt it, you got through it. Now. I actually love what you're doing, Jesse. This feeling of like, I'm not like, I'm not saying you should feel ashamed, but I just totally understand the feeling of shame. You're just, because you woke up. You woke up and you realize what effect this has on other people and you feel like it, it wasn't realistic and other people witnessed it. I just know that so well. And I love you for being in that place. It's a good place. It's a noble and holy place to just start to reckon with what's really true. And so now you have this feeling of, of shame, you wanna make amends. That's actually the good part of you, you know, kind of coming up like a little toddler. Like, I wanna fix it, I wanna fix it. And so you shall, but you need not feel ashamed. It's not your fault. Limerence is not something you chose or did to yourself. It's something that happens to people who are severely emotionally neglected as kids. 
and who um, it usually happens when your current life conditions are sucky. You know, you just don't have anything fun going on. Or I think in your case, something really wonderful happened. You got into this community. And so, you know, whenever things are like in transition like that, it's a big change and you're vulnerable. And so that is a time when you might sort of go, I don't know, you know, maybe I could be more than I ever imagined I could be. And here's somebody that I just think is so amazing and I must have them. And then you can't. That's hard, but it's life. It happens to everybody. And so you being in reality about this and just feeling kind of uh, about it, that is the healthy part of you just recognizing it for what it is. Now, I don't know, you say that you hurt people and you don't really say anything that hurt people. You're worried you were creepy. I think the biggest amends you can make in this situation is just not doing that anymore and exercising a real detachment when you kind of want people to feel a certain way, whether it's to love you back or to believe that you're good or not think that you're an idiot, you know, <laughs> like trying to make people just feeling upset about how people feel about you or feeling like, mm, like you're always kind of steering it somewhere. That's just weird. That's what creates awkwardness. So you being yourself, you having a sense of humor about it. I think, I think having a little sense of humor is good if you're really over it. Now it's rare that somebody would get limerent on somebody else and and then become totally neutral to them. But I think that this embarrassment actually is the healing power, the energy of healing coming in and just kind of like breaking the spell because limerence is like being charmed. It's like you're, you know, a magic spell is you're just like, oh, I can't, I can't believe anything else. And then boom, you wake up. So you're awake now. So hopefully if that's easy for you to be around, except for the shame, if you do want to make amends, here's the thing. The guy you say he's in a good relationship right now. And I just remind people like there are many apologies we can make, but when somebody is in a relationship or even might be like, let's say it was somebody you lost contact with and they might be in a relationship. The amends is not to keep having contact. And I know, um, you know, I've been limerent. I've had people get limerent on me and the people who have been limerent on me, like the last one who did that, I had to call the cops. I would be very upset and would call the cops again if I heard, if I heard from this guy. Ugh. And I always have to think, oh, he probably watches my videos and stuff and I can't help it. But you know, oh, it's just horrifying to me. I don't like it. It's wor it's creepy. It's beyond creepy. Right. Um, and I don't welcome it. And if there's any sort of amends to be made there, it's like, please stay away. Please don't do that anymore. So if there, if there was any of that, now you say this guy's been friendly to you. So I don't think that my thing, I, I, I've, I've had it, I've seen it, I've experienced it. I've been on both sides of it with people where it's basically friendly later, but I still think you have to keep like a really strong neutrality, propriety around it because the energy of it, the energy of that like unrequited love thing is very upsetting to your potential partner and his current partner or potential partners. It's just very upsetting. It kind of rocks the boat and it's respectful and it's healthy to just sort of like shut that baby down. It is. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, what's the harm? You know, it's just like a little fantasy. It's like, well, if you have a fantasy like four times a year for 10 minutes, okay, fine, have your fantasy. But if it starts to be where you can't have actual closeness with real people, there it is. Now that's why limerence exists is to compensate for that inability to connect. So the solution is, is to start working on that ability to connect. And I really just highly recommend 
doing it with people who are super neutral and understanding for you. I got so much help out of Al-Anon, you know, going to 12-step rooms where other people were working on stuff. They didn't all have the same issues as me, but there were some who did. And having friends who I could be connected to. But here's the thing, when Princess Diana died, I think a lot of us felt really sad about it and also kind of like identified with her a little bit um, of being somebody who had grown up, you know, with a crappy childhood and it turned out so terribly badly for her. And we all got together and we just got a bunch of yummy food and we all sat around the TV, like 10 of us all snuggled up to watch TV. Like that's, that was so healing for me, just having the kind of friends who you could do that with. And, you know, we, we just had a close bond and we laughed and, the only thing that ever messed that up was um, me or anybody else kind of just getting all messed up about some romance again. <laughs> that would, takes you out every time, right? When the right thing comes along, it doesn't disrupt your happiness. It doesn't disrupt your stability. It sort of comes in slowly and adds to it. So you'll know it when it comes. You are now getting ready for that. But practice, and I don't mean to say that friends are just practice and then to be discarded or anything, but it's a little more neutral, not as charged, not as like, it's not going to lead to limerence. It's very unlikely to. And it's a way for you to learn to love. That's what we're here on earth to do, to learn to love. When will we ever learn? We're working on it. And getting over limerence is a huge way to take a step on that. So I'm proud of you. Um, this is very good what you're doing. Keep going. Um, if you want some support in our community, we have a whole bunch of people who are healing from limerence. They do the daily practice together. In our membership community, there's like peer-led daily practice calls three or four times a day, different time zones. It's really wonderful. Support's here too if you need it. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, Think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.